and we will get to what God has to say this morning. Um, let's begin in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for today. Uh, thank you for for blessing us uh, with this opportunity to come to come together to uh, to learn about you, God, to seek you and to worship you. I pray that your Spirit would be powerfully among us. In your most precious Son's name, Jesus. Amen. Today, um, I want to talk about something that uh, has been on my heart recently. Uh, The issue of unity has really uh, been on my mind, has been something that I spent a lot of time thinking about. Because this last season has been an extremely divisive time. Politics is divisive, just our whole society right now. People have opinions, they have beliefs, they have values. And I have personally seen the hurt and pain, the strife, and even the trauma that comes with people choosing to judge others based on these opinions. So out of this reality, out of how charged this society we live in is, what is the problem that the church faces? We face disunity. We face the probability of disagreements and strife and arguments driving us apart. So I want to talk about a few things today. Just like in the garden, where mankind chose to live according to their own rules and disregard God's kingship. Just like in the temple, where we chose to disregard God's holiness again, choosing to make our own rules. Since the, ver- the very beginning of the church, we have faced the same temptation. We can forget who our cornerstone is, Christ, and try to build the lives of the church and ourselves on ungodly things. We can forget to build our lives on Christ. This is a problem that, as I said, has been a temptation for the church since the very beginning. So what does the Bible have to say of us today? Ephesians 2, I'm going to turn this on, there we go. Ephesians 2, 17 to 21 says, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So what is Paul saying here about the church? Well, he says that we are saints and citizens uh, and that we are not strangers and aliens. The word saints is used in the Bible to simply describe Christians. So here, 
It's saying that we are Christians who are citizens and thereby belong to a kingdom. The words stranger and alien are political terms which describe non-citizens who did not have any rights or protection from the kingdom or the state. This kingdom, this household, this temple is built on the cornerstone that is Christ. The church is being joined together in Christ so that we can grow into a temple of the Lord. Paul is very focused here on unity, on the church being built together on one cornerstone, that is Christ. Further, in 1 Peter, it says, as you come to him, Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a temple, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The church is the temple of God with Christ as its cornerstone. So we've established that the church, as it pertains to the, um, what the church is as it pertains to the temple. So as the temple of the Lord, what are we to do? in order to build up the church, to maintain unity. Ephesians 4 says, I therefore, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father above all, who is over and over all and through all and in all. So here he's saying that we are to be humble, we are to be patient, loving and eager to maintain unity and peace. God, um, God's been speaking to me a lot about this. It was really cool just making this sermon uh, uh, with Pastor Micah and Lee when he was at the church. Um, we were just brainstorming what we felt God was, was uh, wanting us to say. Um, Lee wanted to be talking about uh, the temple, and I wanted to be talking about unity. And as we looked into the language that the Bible used, they, uh, what Lee wanted to talk about and what I wanted to talk about overlapped a lot. So we decided to make a sermon series out of it. And, oh, and by the way, after this is done, you'll be voting on whose sermon was better. And um, the loser will spend their lives in eternal servitude to the other. <laughs> um, but more importantly, what God has really been showing me and what I am really thankful for about this church is that throughout this last time, 
there's been a lot of people who I've gained an immense amount of respect for. People who may have strong opinions on what's been happening in the world lately. And oftentimes, these opinions are in direct opposition to the government and direct, in direct opposition to what our church has been doing. But what really made me gain so much respect for these people was that even though they had opinions that were were that disagreed with what the church did they chose to put those opinions aside and replace them with what god says really matters they chose to be voices of unity in this church and for that i am very thankful i've talked to a few of them and this continue um reminds me of something that Len said to me this week. He says, uh, he asked me, how much time did Jesus spend talking about politics? None. There were horrible things wrong with Roman politics. Uh, Slavery is an easy one. Were there horrible things happening in Rome? in the Roman Empire? Yeah, certainly. Roman slavery is the prime example. But I find it interesting that speaking out against slavery wasn't important to Jesus. Jesus spent time speaking about the kingdom of God. And even later, when the apostles were writing the Gospels, they still didn't speak out against slavery. What did they do, though? They told people how to go about this issue with love. He, he told, they told uh, masters to take care of their slaves. He told slaves to serve their masters as if they were serving Christ. I think that this is a great picture of what it means to be building on the cornerstone that is Christ. And through this last season, I failed at that. I lost sight of what was really important. I noticed that I had been judging people based on my own opinions without even noticing it, harshly. And when I began to talk to these people who I had judged, when I began to really have godly conversations with them, God showed me that that didn't matter. Christ matters. And what scared me was that that kind of judgment, judgment that wasn't based on Christ's character, can lead to disunity. So, something I'd like to explore is what kind of things lead us to replace Christ as cornerstone with something else? What can tempt us to build the church around something else that isn't Jesus? What do you guys think? Familiarity. What do you mean by that? 
Yes. Getting comfortable. That is certainly one. Fear, yeah, that's another one. Yep. We do not have a spirit of fear. We aren't in a place to discern what is really important. Just like my sermon a few weeks ago when I said that we aren't capable of grasping the importance of time. We aren't capable of telling what is really important on our own. Which is why we have to rely on what God says is important. An easy example is our, our identity. When someone asks who you are, when you're introducing yourself to someone, how oftentimes the first thing that you say is what you do. We automatically assume that our work defines us. But God says otherwise. So just like in the garden and in the temple, we want to make our own rules. We want to decide what is important. But these things do not build up the church. So then, how do we accomplish this? How do we build the church on the cornerstone that is Christ? Ephesians 4, 25 to 32 says... Uh, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speaking truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So, it says, speak the truth with your neighbor, for you are, because you are members of one another. It says, do not be angry and sin. Do, well, be angry and do not sin. It's probably a better way of putting it. Don't sin. Um, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And here when it talks about the thief, 
Here, it's an illustration of how repentance can affect your life. You must stop the sinful thing, the thieving, and replace it with the godly thing. Thieving comes out of laziness and greed. So in repentance, the thief must do the opposite. He must work out of labor and generosity. So, repent. And lastly, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, only such as it is good for building up. This is certainly not a comprehensive list, but I challenge you, as you go throughout your week, to think of how you can build in your, your everyday life around Christ. How you can be placing the cornerstone of Christ in your life. Something that God has been teaching me and reminding me of lately is even in the midst of pain and sorrow, to be loving. I think so much, there's so much disagreement right now, uh, a lot of hurt, and I spend a lot of time thinking how how would a godly person navigate all that? And I haven't been able to find any answers to the solution, but God's been reminding me just to go about it with love. And I think that's a great way to guide yourself. So as I close in prayer, I will invite the worship team up. And I just ask you to remember what really matters. Remember to be loving and kind and gentle and patient. Thank you, Lord, for today. Uh, Thank you for your word. Father, we ask forgiveness for... uh, for not putting you at the center of our lives, God, for not building uh, our life and the life of the church on you. Pray that uh, your spirit would empower us today to go out and be voices of unity. To love one another, even though naturally we might not get along. To show each other humility, to show each other patience and love. In your most precious son's name, Jesus, amen.